G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I hope you're all keeping well. It's nearly springtime and I tell you, down here in Geelong, we've gone through some real blips of absolutely beautiful mornings back down to zero one degrees, but hopefully we're edging closer to some of that great weather. Now, today I'm joined by Geordie Kitschke. He is joining us <laughs> from a back paddock out in St. George. So we might have a little bit of sound tweaks in here, but bear with us because Geordie's a hard man to get hold of. We had to lock him down. He is currently working on what is the second company that he's founded. We'll get a little bit more to that. Geordie grew up in the mid-north of South Australia. He's always been around farming, absolutely loved it. His early memories are sleeping on the tractor floor while his dad was sowing crops. When I first came across Geordie, it's 2018, we're up at Beef Australia, and Geordie walked on the stage, and he must have only just been early 20s, I reckon. He stood up there and talked about this business that he had co-founded. It was using lasers to measure meat-eating quality. That company today is called MEQ Probe. It is going gangbusters and doing incredible things. Geordie's now tackling another problem. He's, he's looking at ways to minimise pesticides used in agriculture production and how this can be enabled through robotics and artificial intelligence to reduce the reliance on pesticides. He studied an ag science degree at university but hasn't spent a whole lot of time with it. Today he's spending his time pretty well anywhere across Australia. He's often, I think, got the tools in the hand. His computer was actually sitting in the toolbox to protect it from the wind as part of this chat. If you remember back a little while ago, we sat down with Callan Daly, who was part of the Future Young Leaders program several years ago at Evoke Ag. Now, Callan met this bloke called Geordie, and off the back of that, they had a little conversation. Geordie said, why don't you come and join us down in Adelaide? This is the business we're working on. Callan goes home, packs up his bag, and a week later is living down in Adelaide. So there's a few synergies, and what I wanted to find out from Geordie was what actually got him to apply to the Future Young Leaders program. And as a young founder of a business or co-founder of a business, what did it give him and how has it allowed him to continue to build that network and opportunities for him? So I hope you guys enjoy this chat. He's coming to us from out the back of St. George. So let's go and join him out there. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Out near St. George today. What's keeping you busy out there? We've got a a grower out here um, looking at our, our technology, so doing a few demos and trials and tests and things. And I'm sure you answered this so well in an elevator pitch and we'll probably flesh it out a little bit more later on, but what is the work that you actually do? We're building technologies to try and help reduce the reliance on pesticides across the board in, in ag. Do you find it hard to answer those questions when people say, like, what is it that you do? Yeah, it's interesting to into one sentence, yeah. I guess what that, what that ends up looking like is we are taking a robotics approach to it, so... We've developed uh, a few different ways of being able to sense things in the paddock that are important, such as weeds, and then being able to actuate upon them in different ways. So the first product we've got out on the market at the moment is like a spot sprayer, so it detects the weed in, in the crop. We're mainly focused in horticulture at the moment, but it'll end up in, in broadacre. Um, and then it just goes through and just squirts the weed. And so the thing which I'll say, I know a little bit about you, but not enough, and so I'm very keen for this conversation, but... There's two very clear themes. One is agriculture and the other is technology. Is this just a general curiosity, fascination, tinkering you've got? Yeah, I'd say it's probably just like a a blend of curiosity and a cool problem to solve. It's a pretty hard problem to solve and it's just what um, I'm passionate about and fires me up. You grew up in South Australia on on a farm? Yep. What's your earliest like memory? If you think back of agriculture, what is it today that you can kind of go back to? that keeps you in, involved in the industry and inspired to be part of it? 
probably my earliest memories are sitting I used to sleep on the floor of like our air seat attractor and had a I think that was like whenever dad had to look after us it was like babysitting in the tractor and um my head or I would where I would sleep was where my head would end up where the clutch is and so I remember a Rossi boot shoveling me to the to the left a little bit away from the clutch <laughs> quite often <laughs> so I didn't cop a, a clutch if need be so they were probably the the earliest memories on the farm and I guess it was probably just through osmosis that I ended up being pretty interested in farming and, and pretty much not leaving since. Is the family still farming? Yeah yeah. Do you get back home much? I uh, do a bit we like as in flux ended up doing a fair bit of our fabrication and, and testing work there because by shed space in Adelaide is pretty expensive so it's pretty handy to have you know a welder we could burrow and concrete floor and all that and tractor so yeah, spend a spend a fair bit of time there. It's always good to go for a spin around on the motorbike or jump on a tractor for a bit. And I think with you, Geordie, like what's what's bloody interesting is you're onto founding and running kind of your second company. The first one is really humming along. And I actually first saw you at Beef Australia in 2018, oh, there and you, go. you walked out with your Ghostbusters <laughs> like kind of outfit alongside i think it was you the chief technical officer or something like yeah, a long-haired fellow yeah, pretty tall yeah yeah we would have uh we would have looked the part oh <laughs> you'd be glad to know that pretty much every meat processor we went into you'd walk along the line and like at least 10 people would yell out ghostbuster to you <laughs> <laughs> jumping back before that in high school was it and going through high school was it obvious to you and, and were you interested in pursuing a career in agriculture? Yeah, like probably so much so that I found it very hard to convince myself that I needed to be at school because, you know, I had plenty of plenty of days off and always found myself thinking, gee, I learn a lot more mucking around on the farm than I do at school. So, yeah, like farming was always where I wanted to be. And that, that dream was to just go farming or did you always kind of have these aspirations to do something more? Well, I guess like I had a passion for like farming and growing things. I thought obviously the the thing to do is to be a farmer, but then I don't know, I've got a pretty poor attention span and find myself wanting to work on 5,000 different things at once. And um, yeah, that sort of led to like working on a few other different bits and pieces and yeah, ended up sort of building technology for agriculture rather than working on a farm directly. Was that just a natural progression or like what, what are some of those, when you say building technologies, what actually were they and what was your role in that? So I sort of decided at one point in time I was going to I was gonna leave the farm and I was going to go build some, some technology because I'd heard about startups and software and all this stuff that was like still pretty new to me because I'd just been listening to podcasts on a tractor thinking that sounds all right. And then, yeah, I guess probably the first step was just, I just went around like looking for different problems to solve because like, I had a list a mile long from our own farm, but I wanted to go and understand just like agriculture more broadly. So I went and like met with dairy farmers, mango farmers. I went over to South America, I went to Africa, visited farms there. And I don't know, I think it was just like a massive itch scratching exercise to try and understand more than... I was pretty familiar with grain production because that's what our farm was. But then, I don't know, I wanted to go understand the other sectors to see what problems were there to be to be solved and then ended up working sort of in the commercialisation of and product development of, of different technologies. And one of the things we were doing was the, the company you mentioned earlier, which is um, 
MEQ and yeah, that was building lasers to measure the the quality of meat. That business, how old were you when you became CEO of that company? I think I was 22. Holy shit. How many people were you responsible for? Well, at one point, including, so like all our full-time staff, contractors, and then we used to have a heap of casuals come in to help with our trials. It was like somewhere between 20 and 30. Um, like including all the all the casuals, but in terms of full time team, might have been like eight or ten. There, there was definitely some weird moments where I was in a room with people at least double my age, getting close to three times my age, and I'm meant to be in charge of them. <laughs> so, how did you find that? Because like you were so passionate about solving this problem and, and could see a way forward, but then actually when it starts to evolve beyond just being like you and being able to be hands on and adapt it, how did you actually? build that out to get other people on board, but also let go of that control? Well, the good thing about startups is it's a very flat structure. So although you're technically up on the hierarchy, you're, you know, you're in, you're in charge, you, from an operating perspective, you're very much on the ground um, with them. So like many of my hours were spent doing like some of the boringest, um, least exciting jobs in the whole company. And what are some examples of them? Oh, I would have spent like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours just standing in um, like meat processing plants using our tool, which is like, it is not an exciting task. <laughs> Putting it into carcasses, measuring yeah. it. Yeah. So you got 10 people upwards of 20, 30 kind of people when you actually include contractors involved in the business. But if you're so involved in the day-to-day and that grounds piece, like how are you actually making it possible to have the time to get up above that and actually run the business but also drive the direction of where it needed to go? Uh, yeah, I guess we, we tried to hire really good people, whether it was on the um, meat and trialing side or software development or algorithm development, tried to hire the best people we could find so they would they would tick along and you didn't have to hold their hand too much and can use, use their own initiative. What are some of the learnings that you got from this? Like, I'd love to know some of the moments where you thought, you're on top of the world, like how good is this? I've just found the best job in the world, the real problem that we're solving. And then also what are some of the like, oh, shit moments that sit within that? Yeah. Probably some of the best moments were when we like brought the whole team together for like a big big trial, a big experiment, and it is like it was properly hands-on. Very long days for many, many days in a row. And then to be able to like get to an, a good outcome at the end of that, they were like some of the best moments where everyone could sort of see, you know, like we all had to chip in to get here and we couldn't have done it without, if not everyone had, had chipped in. They were some pretty good moments. We were working pretty hard. <laughs> so they're like just those those moments, whether we were driving, you know, 10 plus hour drives across the country where, you know, you get to sit with your, your co-workers and, and just have a chat about the world um, amidst like very few hours sleep and, and all that were like some some good moments. Some things that you think look back on pretty fondly, like yeah. just that actually getting to know the people. Yeah, definitely. When I saw you guys presented at Beef Australia 2018, that was very early on. Like I think you guys were still maybe only in one or two processes by that stage. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say at that point we were still like in the process of developing the technology. Fast forwarding from that, like you started to – build the business, you guys started to get traction, the technology was actually working. You're also part of the Evoke Ag Future Young Leaders. I've spoken to Callan a couple of times, a pretty pivotal moment in, in the sense of, yes, you're you're young, but you're also a CEO, you're making decisions and driving a business forward. 
so much so that you meet someone at a Vogue and you're like, why don't you come and work to us? Can you can you share a little bit of that that backstory? Maybe like what was it about Callum, but also to getting to meet him and, and going like, this is our guy? Yeah, I think we were, I think at that time I'd been looking around, the type of person we were looking for is not, not everyone. It's like, are you happy to like get up tomorrow? And it's like, oh yeah, we need you to drive to another state with this box of lasers and like find your way into a meat processing plant and achieve this outcome. It's like, there's not heaps of people that can go and do that. Yeah, I think I just, I met Cow and he was, he'd been on the farm or he was coming off the farm or something and he was looking for his, what was sort of to come next. Just seemed like he had his head screwed on and was up for a challenge. And I think it was on the, I might have met him on like a Wednesday and we both got the same taxi to the airport on the Thursday and I was quizzing him to see where he was at. I said, well, why don't you come to come down to Adelaide and work for us? And he's like, oh, righto. He said, I'll have a think. It would have only been one or two days later. I, th- I think the following week he was in his ute driving to Adelaide. So yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty cool. <laughs> You're a convincing salesman. <laughs> uh, I think he was, he was just keen. <laughs> <laughs> But little, little did he know what he was getting himself in for. <laughs> well, and were there many people in the business at that time? I think he was our first full-time employee. Bloody hell. You took a fair yeah. punt on him. Yeah. But, he, you know, he also took a punt on us. So, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. How did you go with the, like, external pressures of, I'm presuming you guys did a capital raise to actually fund the technology, but then also knowing that, yeah, people are making, I guess, life decisions to relocate states, whatever it might be, and ultimately... As the business driver, you're the one responsible for hopefully making that a success for them and everyone else as well. I really try and be as honest as I can without scaring the absolute living daylights out of people where it's like you have to remind them it's like we are a we're a pre-revenue company. The technology's in development, it's looking good, but there's an awful lot of work to be done before, you know, we're a we're a big stable company. So if that's the sort of thing you're looking for now's the time to probably move in that direction because if that's not your risk profile it's going to be such an uncomfortable experience and it's not a it's not a win for anyone big way about going about it does it does it weigh on you yeah definitely because you've got a responsibility as as the leader i think i probably used to worry about it more and the way i manage it now is just being more transparent and more honest about like pretty much like paint the clearest picture as you can and then it's like the the decisions with you if it's for you it's for you if it's not it's not and we can we'll find a way to to get there and in a sense i guess that honesty is actually then giving them the license that, that they're empowered to make that decision if they decide to stick around or they know kind of where you guys are at and how you can move forward yeah yeah and and and, and brings them on the journey where it's like once they've that made that decision they're like righto i'm sure like offline they're they're doing some mental calculations where it's like you know what I'll give it six months. If it goes south, then it is what it is. I would have learned a bunch of stuff. But if it's a good outcome, that's a, that's an awesome outcome. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Get after it. <laughs> <laughs> so your involvement through AgriFutures started before Evoke Ag. You were involved in the Horizon Scholarship. Was that actually how you became aware of what Evoke Ag was and the event, et cetera? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So what was it, the Horizon Scholarship? Why did you get involved in that? I think I saw an ad in the Stock Journal when I was in... In year 12, I, w- I was planning on doing ag science at that time, so I thought, why not apply for it? Yeah, like looking back, it was, I don't know, such a valuable experience that almost like stuff money can't buy, the sort of places I got to go. Like and I ended up on a, on a grain trading desk in Melbourne watching grain traders like move millions of bucks of real and virtual grain 
around the world, um, which was just like, you know, not everyone gets to, to see that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I was, I was really glad that I was able to, um, to land something like that. How'd that thing come to life? Like, if, looking back on your future young leader journey, what, what was actually involved in it and what did, from your perspective, what were the takeaways that you got from it? Uh, I guess it was like a really um, efficient way to just meet heaps of heaps of people who were keen to help you. So throughout the three days or whatever it was at the event, got to meet all sorts of people who, you know, in various ways I've, I've stayed in touch with, which is, you know, a massive help when you're trying to, you're, you're young and trying to get into the industry. Do you remember what you talked about up on the stage? It was something about how we need to speed up commercialization. Australia has all these pretty amazing resources. So some of the least subsidized farmers in the world. So naturally they become some of the most innovative. Um, then you've got like traditionally like a lot of Australian universities uh, have pretty good agricultural arms. And so there's all these these researchers there with you know years and years of experience in, in various different fields. And then you've got sort of a bunch of young people from ag and not from ag you know, wanting to, to start startups, I guess my argument is there's a such a long list of really cool problems to solve and challenges to address um, in ag. Why not come and solve some of these? So, yeah, I guess like the, the talk was about how, what are some of the ways we can speed up both the, you know, the IP that's developed within universities, how we can like develop more of it and get it out into the hands of farmers faster and then also just out, out in industry as well. On that specifically, for young people who are involved in or wanting to get involved and throw their hat in the ring, what would be your message to them, specifically here on the Future Young Leaders program? Why should someone actually go go through and apply? Well, I guess it's just a it's an opportunity to push your whatever you're trying to do, take it to that next step through whether it's like meeting the right person at the right time or being able to find the resources to to do what you're wanting to do. If you've got a, a bit of a plan for what you want to do and you want to take it there, um, it's a pretty handy resource to be able to do so. I'd love to know the transition out of MEQ, your previous business, into this one. Coming into starting another another business, what were the learnings and, and things that you took into this one? Well, MEQ, we'd spent quite a few years building some pretty hard technology, like playing in the middle of photonics and AI and biology is like a reasonably messy space to play where you have to like get really good at building products because otherwise you just burn time and cash and, and it doesn't get there. So a few years of feeling the pain of, of that probably helped in, in setting up Flux where again, like it's, it's robotics. So it's capital intense. You've got lots of different disciplines all happening at once, multiple systems that all need to talk. You're working with biology, we're out in paddocks with, you've got a normal distribution of everything and lots of funny things happening on the, the ends of the bell curve. And so the approach to overcome the, the difficulty was, okay, how can we iterate as fast as humanly possible? So when I first started Flux, I was trying to get something in a paddock at least every week, a new sensor or circuit board or algorithm or whatever. It was just like, no matter what, like be putting it in a paddock and be building something um, and just whatever helps move the the ball forward. It doesn't need to be, don't need to worry about the problems we might have in three years. It's like, what, what's the problem we have today? Let's fix that and move forward and have tried to like 
keep that in sort of embed it in the company culture of like always be thinking how can we how can we iterate faster when you're building something that's never existed before pretty much all you have is like a big jug of assumptions and you're like trying to work out which of them are the most important assumptions you have and how can you move through them as fast as you can otherwise you just sit around like twiddling your thumbs scratching your head in front of a whiteboard so how how do you approach then i guess the the big term vision of what you guys are trying to achieve and then actually bring that back into like do you think of this is how we're going to change the world down the track or are you really thinking about this is how we change one farmer's life one industry whatever it might be uh no so we started with the started with the uh, like the longest term vision or goal which was like how do we reduce the reliance on pesticides and then it was like okay well to bring that forward the way we the way we get there is we start building products that help farmers use less pesticide um, as soon as possible. And then the bit in between is all the like different product variants and things we can do with the data and all the other bits and pieces. And I'm going to ask you a super silly question, but um, I'm wondering it. So (laughs) maybe others are. When you say pesticides, are you talking about the control of both plants and insects, other animals in cropping or farming systems? Correct. Yeah. And so is there one that you're focusing more so on initially? Yeah, so I'd say like most directly we're focused on herbicides because like our first product, really what it's doing is detecting weeds and spraying weeds. But over time, really what we're looking to do is like build the build the health of that agroecological system and, you know, be doing things like as we're bringing that, that pressure off the system, being able to have more, you know, a healthier soil, you've got more beneficial insects and all that. So you're starting to reduce your your fungicides and the insecticides and, and all that, which is a, it's a long game. You don't change these systems in a season or two, but that's the, that's ultimately where we're heading. It's um incredibly exciting. And I'm sure it's something which just like, we'll just, there'll be a new problem and something else comes up and it'll just keep evolving as I guess the different sciences, technologies, et cetera, that is solving one problem today actually evolve. Well, then that creates something else for you to work towards. Yeah. Yeah. And no doubt there'll be like multiple, uh, multiple different technologies that, all sort of dovetail into a, a bigger solution. What would you say is the dream right now for you with Flux and the business that you guys are doing? Yeah, what does that actually look like? Well, we'd like to be the company to be at a scale where, you know, pretty much any farmer in the world can be in a position where they can walk out in the paddock and be like, okay, here's the, here's the challenges we're, we're facing. Which Flux product can help us sort of achieve the outcome where we're looking for here? Um, but to get there... I guess we've got a, a bunch of things we need to solve for, be that on product development side. You know, we're just starting to gear up our manufacturing at the moment um, and learning a lot there through to, you know, distribution and how we get these things in front of farmers and, and on farms. So if we park any company or whatnot and look at you individually, Geordie, like what is it that's motivating you? What's the impact that you want to have in, in agriculture, just impact more broadly? Probably trying to produce the best food we can on on farms around the world i think like almost take for granted how available food is like you can it's not very often that there's you know you're not driving past some place that has food in it i'd say trying to maximize the the quality of the food around the world that we're we're producing because i think just the flow on effects from from food quality mind-blowingly large and so one thing i'd love to know and you can tell me to bugger off if you don't want to answer it but like why 
why do you have the self-confidence in yourself to actually be someone who can really make an impact and a really positive impact in this space? Uh, Well, maybe I don't. Maybe it goes back to the pick pick where we want to be later down the track, 10, 20 years, and just worry about like, what are we doing today to get there? And so you see that there is actual little things with your skill set, attitude, motivations and things that could actually change something for the better today. Yeah. I mean, um, I I forget who said it. I think it was Steve Jobs or someone said like, the world was built by people no smarter than you and me. I've been lucky enough to meet what you'd call like high up people, you know, CEOs and senators and all all that stuff along, along the way. And when you do, you sort of get reminded that everyone's just like, everyone's pretty much the same. Everyone is like in their own circles, kind of ordinary, but I think it like I kind of this is what I love about the stories and the different people that we get to chat to through agriculture is actually well in a certain context or in different ways everyone's actually like extraordinary when you find the right place where they kind of fit totally agree yeah so a question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast and I'd be I'd be keen to understand from you is like if you had the chance to go and chat to year 10 students in a metro school what would you say to them about why they should consider pursuing or, or even thinking about a career in agriculture well I don't know that I would I'd uh, I'd probably more encourage them to just work out like what is what is something that just like makes you know their heart burn like fires them up in their belly find a way to like go and do more of that and if you can make a career out of it that's a, that's a bonus and then I would probably go on to explain that pretty much any job you can think of you can do in ag and the sort of bonus points you get is like you can work in all sorts of cool places like St. George. The people are awesome. You wake up knowing that no matter what your job is, pretty much you're, you know, you're trying to help get better food on more plates and um, that tends to be pretty important for, for most humans. And I actually really love that you've, um, I'll say, challenged me on that in the sense of actually going back to what is it about that person and then looking at that next piece that sits below is, well, can agriculture be something they can do and most cases it is so a question molka asked it when i sat down with her and so i'm going to ask you as well but what are you actually passionate about and is it what you're doing today yeah well i was was trying to work what am i actually passionate about because i'm passionate about all sorts of things i think what i'm passionate about is um is solving important problems that i think i'm half well placed to to solve it's like if 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 i I don't do it and like 10 other people don't do it. Is this going to, is it going to be solved? I love that. And so one final question, you can answer it with a question. What question would you like me to ask a future guest? Uh, I, I always think the question like, what's something you'd love to explain to people that you haven't had the chance to? I really like that question. That's a, that's a great one. It'll be really interesting to see what different people are, I think, you know, different life stages of whatever it might be or different contexts. It might be literally that other people or someone else might be one person that that person wants to say something. That's a really cool question. Yeah, I think it just helps squeeze uh, squeeze the lemon out of it where, you know, someone's got something on the tip of their tongue but none of the questions have, have hit them. But all your, all your questions have been spot on, so maybe you're just a good interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> just did my research on you, Geordie. No. <laughs> just curious, mate. Um, no, really... Really interesting and thank you for taking the time to pull over on the side of the road in St. George and appreciate you having a chat but also I think what you're doing is is so cool and so interesting and I'm excited to follow the journey of 
your business, but actually more so I'm way more interested to follow your journey and see what happens. Thanks, mate. Thanks for inviting us on. Cheers, mate. Well, that's it for another episode from us here at Humans of Agriculture. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts and, well, if you're not, let us know. Hit us up at hello at humansofagriculture.com. Get in touch with any guest recommendations, topics, or things you'd like us to talk and get curious about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Rate, subscribe, review it. Any feedback is absolutely awesome and we really do welcome it. So look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane. We'll see you next time. See ya.